Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day in a rather deserted city of Westminster in these current times, as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Challoner and I'm joined on the programme today by Gary King. Gary is the Managing Director at Collins King & Associates Limited, an established and independently owned hospitality recruitment consultancy. Gary, welcome to the programme and it's great to have you on the air with us on this fine day. Good afternoon, Scott. Uh, Lovely to chat to you. Likewise, Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to, of course, uh, come on. And the purpose of this discussion is, of course, to understand your take on leadership. So if we dive straight into that and look at that word leader in isolation, what does that Mm -hmm. word really mean to you? How does it resonate? Uh, It resonates very strongly with me. Um, You know, for me, a leader needs to be someone who will lead and manage their teams from the front, um, you know, especially in difficult situations like we find ourselves in now, um, will ensure that they can get the best out of their team. And their team know what they're thinking as well. Um, and there is clear direction about how to deliver, um, you know, the, what they need to do. I think that's absolutely right, Gary. Leadership very much so is um, needed now more than um, ever, of course, directing through COVID-19, of course. And so many business leaders have had to grapple with this unprecedented challenge to guide uh, their firms through this um, uncharted territory. Um, How has it been for yourselves um, in that respect? Because I can imagine it's been a tremendous challenge, not just, of course, from a business and financial perspective, but also a people management perspective to try and keep the communication channels open when everyone's working from a distance and keep everybody reassured. Absolutely. I mean, I've I've been in recruitment a number of years. I've worked through, oh my gosh, uh, the original uh, crash in the late 80s to um, the dot-com uh, crash to 9-11 to the financial crisis. And this really is all of them put together as one. And uh, it has been an incredible uh, few months. Um, and, you know, for, for me and, and looking at what I've had to do with my business and my team, um, you know, I've, I've been up front with them right the way from the start. Um, we saw this coming, um, you know, in over the, you know, the sort of two or three weeks beforehand as we saw what was happening in other countries. Um, and, and, you know, just looking to lead them as best I can. Um, they all have fears. Um, and worry with what was going on and, you know, I'd address them as, as much as I could and try and keep people informed, um, you know, right up to the time when, you know, we, we've had to put the, the entire team on furlough um, and, uh, you know, look at plotting a way out of this. But I'm in, I'm in regular touch with my team. Um, I'm keeping them informed. I'm going into my office in London tomorrow um, and uh, I'll be uh, addressing them all on looking at a way out of this. Mm, certainly seems like um, it's been uh, quite um, a well thought out and uh, very busy response uh, from uh, your point of view there, um, which is perfectly um, understandable given the, mm. the magnitude of the the problem. And I can imagine this crisis and all the other crises that, of course, you've had to uh, direct uh, the business through has really held you in a good stead, uh, Gary. And there's some real positives to take from that aren't there in the sense that it breeds resilience from a business perspective this sort of crisis management but it helps developers as leaders guiding ourselves and our companies through this period but as well as that the response of employees and everybody has really been fantastic hasn't it during this time we've seen people going above and beyond to just keep things ticking over and they're really Absolutely. going out of their comfort zones to do that as well Absolutely. I mean, what I've seen from the beginning of this has been incredible. 
I mean, going back to your, your earlier point, I mean, with the financial crisis in um, sort of 2008, 2009, you know, we, we'd almost planned for it. You know, there hadn't been a long recession for a while. So we had managed to put, you know, money aside as a business and, and prepare for what was coming. I could see what was coming with this. You know, we, we had, what, four weeks notice, really, from, you know, when it started to uh, develop to where we are now. So, you know, we, we've had to adjust and look at things and, and it, it, it to say, you know, this was a very fast developing situation. Uh, and, you know, we, we've had to move very quickly on it. Mm, absolutely right. And um, I think it's fantastic how people have uh, been able to uh, to respond uh, to this it really has brought us closer oh, together in that uh, respect i think it's, it's brought the it's brought the industry together i mean i'm on one particular group which now has over 3000 leaders on this particular uh, it's a whatsapp group set up um by a key uh, industry figure um and you know, we, we've got everyone from CEOs of major companies to owners of small business to chef directors. And, you know, we, we, we've been trying to, you know, sort of plot a, a way through it and, and lobby government. Um, and, you know, it, it's been a, it's been good on that respect. On the other side, I look at what I've seen people doing. I'm involved with a, a project in London. I've been, um, I've borrowed one of my own clients' uh, vans that's not been used, a refrigerated van, and I've been delivering food to hospitals three days a week myself. And I look at all the people involved in that project from all areas of our industry, and it has been, the response has been incredible. And it's, you know, it's proved that uh, there's a lot of people out there that want to do good. Exactly right. It's an incredibly inspiring uh, response. And if we think about inspiration for a moment, Gary, I mean, that can come from anywhere, can't it? I mean, now, as much as ever, we're seeing it in the common good of people just chipping in to really get things done and help the vulnerable. But as you've sort of gone through your career and developed pre-pandemic, Gary, what would you say have been some of the big inspirations and influences behind your own career? I've been really fortunate from uh, from uh, uh, from the start of my career. I, I got a part time. Uh, I had a part time job looking after the uh, the players and management for two uh, London football clubs wherever they travelled. So um, through my father's connection, I, I got the job when I was still at college and ended up doing it on a part time basis as my own career took off in, in as a, originally in hospitality and then recruitment. And, uh, you know, from the, from the beginning then, I, uh, one of the clubs I travelled with, uh, the, the manager at the time, knew I had an interest and, you know, let me in on, you know, what was going on when I travelled. And I was lucky, I, you know, I travelled away with the clubs and I got to sit in on team talks. And I learned about, you know, that was my initial thing. I looked at the leadership there and was like, wow, it's incredible. How to real team leadership. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a club that ended up, you know, with, with limited resources at the time, winning the league. Um, I, I then, you know, I've been very fortunate in the two big recruitment companies, uh, national recruitment companies I've worked for. Um, you know, one uh, family-owned business, still family-owned today. It's the largest recruitment company in the UK. Um, and the founder at the time was close to the business and uh, incredible leadership uh, from him. His son has taken over the business. Um, they're a billion-pound company now. But I, I learned so much from them. So, I, I've been very, very fortunate in uh, what I've learned myself. But I look at there's some incredible leaders in our industry now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I still learn from them all the time. I, I, I take in as much as I can. 
Exactly right. And there's some fantastic examples there that you mentioned, Gary, and I'm sure from the, the sporting world especially, there are plenty of aspects of leadership that can really translate really nicely into the, uh, the business environment for sure. Um, but do you think that... Um, in the business world, we perhaps recognise good leaders maybe as much as we should do. And the reason I say that is because we do recognise success in sport quite a lot in this country and also recognise celebrities um, as leaders, politicians as leaders. But in business, that isn't always the case, is it? It's not. And, you know, I've, uh, I, I, I've also been involved on, uh, on a group, uh, another group I'm, I've been involved with for a number of times where people coming out of sport uh, going into industry and what people coming out of sport can offer. You know, a, a lot of these people are high achievers um, and, you know, they, they're, they're born winners and have wanted to, you know, their, their careers have ended, um, you know, obviously through sports, you know, early to mid 30s and they're coming out and they have, a, they have an awful lot to offer the industry. Um, you know, I've been involved through my business in, in ensuring a, a couple of people have, have gone on and are now, you know, developing a second career, finishing sport. Going into uh, going into the hospitality world, um, and they're you know they're making great strides. Um, we need to give you know leaders a chance wherever possible. You know there, there's some great young talent out there, especially in the hospitality industry. Um, hospitality in particular offers people at a, a younger age bigger opportunities than a lot of other industries, and you know we, we need to embrace that and we need to push people forward. We do, absolutely. We need to give people the confidence, don't we, to be independent in that sense and take on uh, their own form of leadership. And to do that, I think, we need to encourage people um, to understand that they don't need to fear maybe suffering one or two setbacks in their career. Because I think especially among the younger generations, there may be a little bit of a fear to take even measured risks in the business world, just because there's a fear of failure, a fear of criticism. Whereas really, we have to be able to make mistakes and learn from them in order to develop into effective leaders anyway, don't we? We do. I mean, you know, if I look back through my career, I've, I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. But, you know, the, the, you know, the young leaders that, that will emerge, you know, you'll learn from that and you'll move on and it will help you in, in you know, instead throughout your career. It will, Gary. And um, if actually we were to address somebody who was maybe about to start their first day in a leadership role from the younger generations, what yeah. sort of advice would you go about giving them? Be humble. Uh, learn as much as you can and take in as much as you can. Um, you know, I, I have a number of mentors, uh, one in particular, um, who has mentored me throughout my career. Try and get a mentor if possible. Um, it will, it will, you know, it will really, really help you. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, to, 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 to be humble, don't, you know, there's, there's, if you're, if you're starting certainly in hospitality, there shouldn't be any job. Um, you'd expect your team to do if you wouldn't do it yourself. Lead from the front. Um, be honest with your team. Um, and yeah, you know, just, just look to do the best you can. I think that's some very sound advice, uh, Gary. And be on an equal footing. Show that humility for one, but also recognise that as a leader, you're not a lone wolf. There are other people around you. Mentors, especially, can be some of the most influential leaders out there. And surrounding yourself with positive people whom you can learn from is one of the best things that you can possibly do. Absolutely. It's incredibly important. And if we continue to focus on the uh, the future now um, as well, Gary, before we do wrap things up on the other uh, yeah. programme today, um, do give me an idea of what you envision the next 12 months will hold for yourself and for Collins King and Associates and what you hope to achieve in that time as we move through COVID-19 and hopefully emerge from the other side of this pandemic. 
the first the first thing really is going to be about survival. Um, certainly for my business, hospitality is going to be the last industry to emerge from this. We were the first industry to go into it. We are going to be the last industry to come out. Um, distancing and the, the word, you know, the, I detest the word social distancing. It's really got to be uh, distancing or safe distancing. Um, you know, changing people's mindsets uh, to enable hospitality to, to come through this. So for me, the first thing is survival of the business. Um, the second is really sort of resetting uh, and looking at where we are and seeing what has changed around us. Um, and then really, I, I think we're going to be in for a very, hospitality in particular, is going to be in for a very difficult few months. And I don't see our industry properly emerging till the spring of next year. Then I do think there's going to be opportunities for those companies like ourselves that will hopefully survive. Um, it, it will bring you opportunities. Hospitality in particular is a very resilient industry. It's been through some very tough times in the past. And again, it's given opportunities for people to, to grow and develop and become leaders. So, you know, for me, it's really the next, the next six to 12 months are going to be key. Um, survival and then, you know, resetting and then looking to, to regrow again and maybe start from a small base again. Mm, it's going to be really interesting, certainly, to see how things uh, develop over the uh, the next few months and how the hospitality industry can move in tandem out of uh, this. And I think, honestly, uh, Gary, given how informative um, this discussion has been today, it would be great in the next few months once we start to finally see things reopening, if we could catch up perhaps and have you back on the programme just to see what changes are in place and see how the uh, the business is getting on as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be delighted. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. It has been uh, for myself as well, Gary. It's um, been a really informative experience as well, as I say. And do take care and do stay safe in the meantime with everything still going on for sure. Thank you very much, Scott. The same to you. That was Gary King, Managing Director at Collins King & Associates. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. During his professional career, Sir Jeff scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup competition after his treble in England's 4-2 win over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago now. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff. And that's coming up next. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team, when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. 
and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, w- would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, uh, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South 
Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a, a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict but at times you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? 
Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that, that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, 
that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but no, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did. Uh, um, it did but make then again, laugh, if you if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And, and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with... Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing 
And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath and there was nobody and I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard-nosed professionals good good teammates mm. good socially and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago of course with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers we, we still got on our wives got on all together all those years later it didn't just finish after '66, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was. A big part, I can't stress how big a part that was, and I've said that many, many times, for the success of the team. We had some great players, we had some great players, of course, but without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word word is team. The word is is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that—that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking—if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single minded. Uh, Single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks 
um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you completely focus. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.